Hi, and thanks for joining Interesting People for 20, where in each episode we'll be speaking with people who have stories that are inspirational, motivational, and often truly amazing. This 20-minute quick podcast is meant to be something you can listen to at lunch, on a break, or out for a short walk. We'll hear about achievements, setbacks, and the challenges you might not normally see. Just about everyone has an interesting story, if you ask. I'm Eric Cohen, your host. I'm an inventor, technologist, and sometimes cyclist. But most importantly, I love a good story. And I really hope you find my guests as interesting as I do. In today's episode, we're speaking with Logan Brown, a Harvard Law student who started a pantsuit company called Spencer Jane after not finding the perfect outfit for the modern lawyer. But Logan's journey really began when she was only 12 years old. I remember when I was that age, I wanted to ride in a garbage truck. Logan, when you were younger, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm chasing garbage trucks, and you're handing out resumes to law firms. (laughs) No chasing of garbage trucks, but there was some television involved. Um, When I was 12, I learned about the judicial system in my civics class, in my seventh grade civics class. But at the same time, I was also watching Legally Blonde and becoming obsessed with Law and Order SVU. And I was really inspired by the characters I saw on television and everything I was learning. And I was like, this is it. Like, I want to be a lawyer. I'm set. I know what I want to do with my life. And my parents were like, I mean, maybe be open to other career choices, explore a little bit. And I was like, nope, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so what I did was I prepared my resume and cover letter with my middle school activities. And I had my parents drive me down to the uh, Douglas County District Attorney's Office in Lawrence, Kansas. And I walked in and I dropped off my application material materials for a job. And the receptionist was a little bit surprised because I was just a small child asking for an internship. Um, But I think to everyone's surprise, including my parents, one of the secretaries, the administrative support staff in the office agreed to let me be her personal intern. And so from the time I was 12 until I graduated from high school, I interned in that office. And so during summers and after after classes were over, days off from school, I would really just go to the district attorney's office. I would watch court, get watch various hearings that were occurring, get to sit in on meetings. And I'm really grateful that experience. There was a, the woman that allowed me to be a personal intern was named Dolores. And she was definitely um, a saving grace in my life. She's probably made one of the biggest influences in the trajectory of my life. And so I'm very grateful. For so her. I, I have to ask, when I was that age, I was just barely able to ride my bike and deliver newspapers. What were you <laughs> able to do in the law firm that that uh, <laughs> that that you learned so much? So when I first started, not that much. I was 12. I was in in middle school. And so I really just sat in in a lot of hearings and trials and whatnot, everything that was occurring. And I asked a lot of questions. I had a little um, notebook that I carried around and I would write my questions throughout the day. And I'm so grateful for all of the attorneys and staff that took the time to speak with me and answer my questions. I'm sure many of them were silly or basic, but so many people took so much time just to make me feel important and to allow me to be heard. Initially, I think I just filed a lot. I alphabetized. I remember that I dusted the office. One of my jobs was to go around and pick up folders from everybody's 
um, offices and see if they had any sorts of um, inter-office mail. And so I wasn't doing anything that substantive when I really originally started. I'm sure some people created jobs to make me feel useful. Um, as my time progressed, I was able to get a little bit more responsibilities. I would escort um, victims and witnesses to and from the courtroom. I was able to um, develop a kids in court program. And also sometimes I got to sit in on argumentation hearings and even share my opinion. But I think that being treated seriously from such a young age has really played an important role in my career path. So I cannot speak more positively about Charles Branson and Dolores Mosley and everybody at the DA's office in Lawrence, Kansas, because they made a profound difference on my life. It's always amazing when people like that, when we're young, can really have a huge impact. If we fast forward a little bit, you go to college, you graduate from Vanderbilt, top of your class. Uh, you're not yet thinking about starting a company. Nope. I have stuck with law school. Um, that was that was my goal from age 12 until you, now. <laughs> you graduate Vanderbilt. You, you started Harvard Law. And what happened next? Yeah. So things took a little bit of a turn when I first started at Harvard Law. During my first semester of my 1L year, I went out to purchase a pantsuit um, in preparation for the first career fair for summer internships. And like every other time in my life when I've needed professional clothing, it was an ordeal. I was Ubering across Boston, going to various malls, texting pictures to my mom, asking her if it looked like what I had on fit because I wasn't really for sure. And I was just exasperated at how difficult it was to find some sort of professional clothing to wear for an already stressful event. That's when I texted my friends and I, I was like, where do you purchase your pantsuits and professional clothing? And rather than provide me with a clear response, people just share their mutual frustration. And I was like, this is crazy that we are have all of these exciting and sometimes stressful things coming up. And rather than focusing on preparing or the substance of what we're doing, we're running around our cities looking for something to wear. And that's really where the initial idea came from for Spencer Jane. It didn't start exactly in that moment. At that point, I was like, I'm going to write an article about this, about the time that women spend trying to figure out what to wear and how to get ready in anticipation of a big event. And so I created a survey where I just asked women about their experiences shopping and purchasing pantsuits and other professional clothing in anticipation of an interview or an otherwise big life event. And I posted it in some of my alumni groups and just sent it around to my friends. And I was shocked whenever I got the responses. I ended up getting over 500 responses. And the vast majority, like over 90% of women were displeased with their experience shopping for pantsuits. And the majority were also displeased with their experience wearing pantsuits. And I was like, all right, like I have the data. This is a common problem. And I just became obsessed with it, which is how Spencer Jane was born. And so Spencer Jane is a blazer. I initially initially going to launch as a full pantsuit company. And I'm sure we'll get to that part of the story later. But it's a, um, a suit company that I launched during my second year at Harvard Law School. When when you say pantsuit, of course, now everyone thinks of Hillary Clinton, right? There's the Hillary Clinton pantsuit, the power, uh, women's yes. power suit that really seems like it was an adaptation from uh, a guy's blue suit. 
you were looking for something different. Yeah. I mean, I think that I was looking for something that was comfortable, that allowed me to feel like myself. I think that I perform my best when I feel like myself and I'm able to show up as my whole self to an interview and also to work. But I was also looking for something that was high quality and was going to last me into my, well into my legal profession. And so something that just like made me look and feel my best, but was also a practical garment. And it was just really impossible to find. Most people would just say, oh, I'll just, I'll just get what's out there. What made you start to think, hmm, this could actually be something? So I think initially it started in me just being completely frustrated, being like, I know that I want a pantsuit that is like this, coupled with the fact that I had this survey data of all of these women telling me that they were displeased with what they want, but also telling me what they wanted. I um, know that women wanted something that also made them feel comfortable. Women don't, I I think this is something that has been um, definitely highlighted during the pandemic is that we can be comfortable and work too. And I want to, we all want a garment that allows us to like feel that, feel our best. And so that was kind of that focus of just like, I could not get it out of my head. I know what people want and I don't yet know how I'm going to fix it, but I want to do something about it. And so I think it was just a couple of weeks of me thinking about it, reviewing the data that I have, talking to friends and family. And I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to go for it. Are you a clothing designer? Like, what do you actually do next? Yeah. So I think it was quite shocking to everybody in my life because my background is not in apparel. Like, I have never worked at a clothing company. I'm not a fashion designer. I have no background in this in this industry whatsoever. And so I think that my parents and my and then some of my close friends and family were very cautious about me taking time, especially during my first year of law school, which is notoriously busy, to devote myself from this. But I think that like most things in my life, when I can't get it out of my head, I'm just going to go for it. And so you're correct that I first start off like by making sure that I was um, setting up everything properly under a legal framework and protecting my IP and my intellectual property. I decided on the name. Um, but then I really, really got into the weeds of looking at the survey data of what women wanting and then also just getting out there and talking to women who either filled out my survey or who would anybody that would speak to me at all about their experience wearing pantsuits, what they liked, what they disliked, what they were looking for. And then furthermore, taking it to the next step of actually designing the pantsuit, I just became um, on a quest for knowledge. I read any book I could think of that had related to the apparel industry or the fashion industry, how fabrics were produced. I read books that were just like very technical and how to create a customized fabric. I I think this is probably one of the like more crazy things that I did, but I would go to LinkedIn and I would LinkedIn request everybody on whatever I was working on that week. So like, let's say it was like, this is the week I need to figure out what type of fabric I want to use. I would um, just LinkedIn request fabric engineers. And I would ask if I could have 15 minutes of their time. And I would just meet with them and ask questions and just absorb all of the information I could to make sure that I had a solid grip about what sort of decisions I was making. And then and how I can make the best choice. And so I think that just navigating what to do next was really getting support by from so many people. Like I definitely didn't do it alone. And I would not say now that I'm an expert on fashion or clothing design, but I am willing to ask for help. And so many people have been and continue to be willing to help me. Entrepreneurs who are making a physical thing, they actually start making, making it themselves. I know that the story of uh, the Leatherman tool, Tim Leatherman, that's his real name. He was in his garage 
for two mm-hmm. years making different different types of uh, le- of Leatherman tools to see which one worked. Were you in your college dorm stitching and sewing? How did you actually start the process and then get manufacturers to make it and sell it? Tell us more about that process. So I was not sewing in my carpet dorm room. So after like surveying um, over a thousand women and really just getting feedback, I had a list of all of the things and attributes and qualities that I wanted this blazer, this pantsuit to entail. And so at that point, I found a seamstress who was willing to work with me and create the basic pattern for this design and also willing to help me identify the best way to incorporate all of these qualities into design. I also... Um, watched a lot of YouTube videos and familiarized myself with some um, software that allowed me to, at the very basic level, create a pattern and a clothing design. However, to actually translate that into something that needs to be manufactured, you have to get what's called a tech path. And that's something that requires a lot of technical skill. And so luckily for me, I was able just via LinkedIn connections to find um, designers and people that have a lot of experience in this space who are willing to work with me and create the tech pack with, with, with me. As far as finding a manufacturing a manufacturer goes, I believe I have the best factory in the world that I work with. It's a factory based out of Italy. And how I found them is I, um, be, I became obsessed with fabric. I think that the most important part of the Spencer Jane blazer is the fabric. It's a custom um, luxury performance fabric that's machine washable and stretchy. It's really just the best of the best. It's used in a lot of very high-end garments, but I found a fabric that was semi-similar at um, at Saks Fifth Avenue. I was just I would just go to the mall and I would look at fabric and look at the composition, look where it was made, and really think about what I wanted to be in my garment. But I found a fabric that I was obsessed with that was in another brand, um, a very high-end luxury brand. And I went to LinkedIn and I added everyone on LinkedIn from this brand that I could find, trying to figure out who manufactured this fabric and how I could get my hands on it. And someone took a chance on me and they connected me with the fabric manufacturer, which is also based out of Italy. We ultimately didn't ultimately didn't use that fabric. It wasn't quite right for a blazer. Again, lucky to have somebody that was willing to help spend the extra time to guide me because I didn't know what I was doing fully. And then they found me, uh, connected me with a factory who, again, was very kind. And they, they're a, a factory that also manufactures for Gucci, Montclair, and a many other high-end luxury Italian designers. And that's how I found my factory. And I ultimately worked on them to tweak my design and make sure that it was the best that it could be and utilize a fabric that is the most premium and luxurious in its class. It's so interesting when you describe all this, you would think that this was your full-time job, but it's not. (laughs) You're also a Harvard Law student. How on earth are you making such progress on Spencer Jane and keeping up with your studies? I think that I've been very lucky that I've been able to utilize the resources of Harvard Law School to start Spencer Jane and also to um, to grow the brand. So when I was first starting working on this, it was one L year. And so I was quite busy at the time. However, uh, so I, w- I was able to like really pack in a lot of these interviews and emails and my off hours. I always joke that like I am able to be so efficient because I sleep eight hours at night. I think that I'm really good at time management and waking up early and getting everything that I want to do done in the day. And I'm a big planner. 
during my 2L year, which is when the brand really took off, we were online. Um, we had entirely Zoom year because of COVID. And so because of that, I think a lot of the distractions of being in person um, just went away. I also cross-enrolled at Harvard Business School and now MIT Sloan, which is a business school, which is MIT's business school. And through those courses, I was really able to utilize the faculty at both places to learn how to launch the brand and some of the other technical issues that I was facing. And so I'm really grateful for that. I've also like every course at Harvard Law that's based at about entrepreneurship or venture capital or anything of the like I take. And so I think that I've won pretty good at time management, but also I've been able to like maximize my schedule for my passion. COVID hits. How does the styles and COVID and pantsuits, how, how did that all connect? <laughs> so yes, I was ready to go. Um, we were getting ready to launch like March, April of 2020, like had everything down, had the full pantsuit, like we were going to do it. March of 2020 happened. And within two weeks, like Harvard shut down. I was back in my parents' basement in Kansas. My manufacturer in Italy was shut down. And also like no one was wearing pants. Like the world kind of like the, a lot of the world kind of shut down. And so people were not going into corporate America anymore. And the demand for pantsuits declined. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? And so at that time, I kind of took a pause and I put Spencer Jane on the back burner for about a month, but I didn't really ever stop working on it. Rather, I just went and revisited my initial plans. I started doing customer interviews again, um, speaking to the same women that I was speaking before, learning about how their lives have changed, what they're looking for in a blazer now. And as like my manufacturer started to back open, open back up, made some adjustments to the blazer. We ultimately launched in for pre-sale in March of 2021. And what we did is we launched with the ultimate quarantine collection, which featured the blazer, which was like the ultimate work from home blazer, a few adjustments to make it super comfortable for the couch, but also enable you to transition seamlessly back to the office, a sweatpant and a mask. And so that's how we transitioned um, from, from COVID times to launching a pantsuit company in the middle of a pandemic, which I think is hysterical. It's like everything that can go wrong can, like all of a sudden I'm trying to launch a pantsuit company when literally no one is wearing pants. Well, what I'm impressed by is, um, you've used this word a few times, which is obsessed. And yeah. what I also noticed with many of the Harvard students that I've mentored is not only are they obsessed about the outcome, but they are so good at leveraging resources. I mean, you've, you took it upon yourself to seek out and find people who could help you uh, achieve your goal. Definitely. And I like, and I want to say they think that this is my number one piece of advice when people ask me about entrepreneurship or launching your own company is that it only takes one yes. There are so many people in this world who are willing to help you. And including me, like I, anybody that asked me to, for a piece of my time, I always say yes, just because of so many people that have taken a chance on me. But I think that it's easy to become discouraged by the number of people that will ignore your emails or say that they don't have time or even tell you that you're going to fail because plenty of people have said that to me. But at the same time, it only requires one person to say yes to your email. There was only one person out of the dozens that I emailed that connected me with this factory and they ended up being like the best possible place for me to operate Spencer Jane from. And so I think that I am so grateful that one, I'm willing to ask for help, but people are willing to give it. And that gratitude comes through. In fact, part of your mission at Spencer Jane has been giving back. Can can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I started Spencer Jane. The whole purpose of the company really derived from those initial conversations I was having with my friends and that survey data. 
And that women had this extra struggle during an already stressful time when they should be focusing on what they're doing. And so I started Spencer Jane to support women chase their dreams, whatever they may be. And so we've been able to do that in a couple of ways, aside from just having a blazer that's a solid option um, for any sort of corporate or life dream that they may be chasing. We also give back. We've partnered with um, colleges throughout the Midwest to set up a scholarship fund or a fun, or an otherwise fund to support women that are entering the law or entrepreneurship. And we partner with them to donate money back for every blazer sold. We also regularly donate blazers to women in need, whether it be through a dress for success, whether it be through dress for success or other comparable organizations, as well as donating blazers to various raffles and women's bar associations. So in any way that we can be of support to women chasing their dreams, we really try and make ourselves available for it. And it seems like the uh, law industry or, or attorneys seem to really have gravitated towards Spencer Jane. Yeah, they have. I am so grateful. I, my customer base, my my Spencer Jane um, customers are largely uh, corporate attorneys or attorneys across the United States. And I am so grateful. They are so powerful, but they're also so supportive. The number of emails that I receive every week, just thanking me for the blazer, but also telling me what they're doing in it. And it's some pretty incredibly cool things um, makes my day. And so that's, I think, I think they, people say you can always judge yourself by who you hang around and your type of friends. But I think that I like to judge my company by the, my customers. And my customers are powerful women making a difference in this world. And I could not be more proud of them and willing to support them in any way possible. So the name Spencer Jane, I have to ask, where did that come from? So that is named after two of my grandparents. I love my family. I grew up in Kansas and I have an incredibly supportive family. They were both farmers, came from a very um, blue collar agricultural background, but I think they really instilled in me that if you work hard and persevere, you can turn your dreams into reality. And that's what I want Spencer Jane to represent. I feel like you have the entrepreneur's bug. (laughs) You see things and you say, hmm, I can do better. Do you think that you have more startups in your future, Logan? I do think that there are more startups in my future. I think I, you're right that I've caught the bug. There's nothing quite like turning um, nothing into something and the thrill of working on what you're passionate about. I still love law school. I've really developed a passion for startups and the law surrounding the startup community here and helping other startups navigate their legal settings. But I think that startups are, are definitely in my future as I navigate my graduation here in a few months. Looking back. Is there any one thing or one person who had this amazing impact that you want to uh, mention? So I think I would like to go back and thank Dolores, who really took a chance in me whenever I walked into the Douglas County District Attorney's Office. To her, I was this 12-year-old girl off the street, and she allowed me to come into her office initially twice a week, but I became so obsessed by all everything that I was seeing that I would come into the office every single day, and I just got to hang out with her office. And she really took the time to introduce me to any special visitors. And I can say without a doubt that her taking that on chance that chance on me shifted the entire direction of my life. I know that I would not be where I am without her and she did not have to do what she did. And so I'm very grateful for Dolores, but I also want to shout out to my family. Um, I have the best family. They are incredibly supportive, especially whenever I'm a one out at Harvard law saying like, I'm actually going to spend all of my time working on a pantsuit. I think that many people would not approve, but I have family that's willing to get on board and support me with whatever I'm doing. So I'm incredibly grateful for them. I think anyone who is successful can always point back to someone that 
totally change their their path or their trajectory. And it's it's so fun to hear who those people are. Logan, I really want to thank you for being on Interesting People for 20. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's always great to chat with you, Eric. Thanks again for listening to Interesting People for 20. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please go to ipfor20.com to listen to more, or you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Keep doing great things. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Interesting People for 20. 